Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? Lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call G-Team Mechanical at 765-376-3042 or visit gteamhvac.com. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance. This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I genuinely feel really positive about a lot of things. You know, I think it's been probably a, a tougher offseason for cadence and news. But, you know, I, I really think 2024 can be another great step for us in the IndyCar series. You know, we have so many positive things going on, so I'm kind of excited about the the season finally getting here and, and getting into the swing of it. You know, it helps when we get back to the track because we just have a great racing product, too. You know, I think it's easy to forget about it sometimes when we leave the track, but um, when we're in racing, you know, that's it's easy to talk about our competition level and, you know, I think that the level of, of racing that we have in this series. You know, I actually had dinner with, um, you know, me and and some other drivers uh, had dinner with Penske Corp last night, and um, were able to to ask questions and get answers to questions. And I think the the big message is everything that the fans are saying. Like this, none of that is news to any of us or any of the people that are in charge of of the series or the future of the series. Um, but obviously, they are not going to give you a play by play and a step by step as to how they are you know tackling challenges and preparing for the future and and doing things so you got to trust the process we all do um but ultimately the people that are running the ship and and in charge of the direction are are the right people to be doing that and you know i think there's a lot of positive news that's going to be coming over the next three to five months that people are going to be very excited about we're at a very solid footing uh with penske um and I think the future's great. You know, I don't know how many of you guys know Greg Penske, but Greg's an awesome guy. Uh, and I think the future is going to be, uh, maybe I'm making an assumption that he's the guy, but he, I'm pretty, pretty sure. And he's a great guy. I think the future is very bright. So I'm excited by it. You know, we're going to have our challenges, man. But we, we, we are combating a lot of the externals. And I'll tell you from a sponsorship perspective, five hour, for instance, where that's fresh in everybody's mind, that shows the validity of IndyCar racing. You know, it is the motorsport that you can get the best bang for your buck in the world right now. And so there is still a lot of intrigue and a lot of interest uh, to be a part of it. Hey there, welcome. Thanks for joining us. It's Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan Podcast. If you're listening that way, we appreciate it. And live on the radio is always awesome or streaming at 107.5 The Fan Landon Coons is in studio again as Elijah Robertson continues to explore Japan. I'm Kevin Lee with Kurt Cavan. You heard from Joseph Newgarden, Graham Rahal, Alexander Rossi about some of the topics that we're going to discuss on the program tonight. We've got racing coming up. Uh, What I think about half, probably more than half of the IndyCar field is going to be in Daytona this weekend getting prepared for the Rolex 24. There is racing this weekend, uh, practice and qualifying for the top series, but one of the support series that 
This show will probably follow more closely than most others. The VP uh, Racing Sports Car Challenge will be racing on Saturday and Sunday. We'll give you more details on that coming up in just a little bit. And here, Kurt, from personal experience, is something I think we can help the audience with. The off-season is way too long, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's how you make it seem much shorter. You get involved with a race team in some capacity that has deadlines and things that need to be done. And if you want to take it to a higher level, get involved in the partnership search for a said race team, especially a sports car team that starts right after the start of the year. Kiss your holiday goodbye because you worked through the holiday. That's how you get away from that feeling that the off season is too long because it's way too short. There's so what not you, enough time to be prepared. So what you're telling me is you've been uh, selling sponsorships. You've been trying to plot out a young driver's future. Uh, you've been trying to worry about what stickers are going to go on the, on the car, wondering if he'll get to his, his, um, his obligations at Daytona. And I see that he's in Sebring dealing with coaching, of young young uh young drivers so you're telling me those are the kind of things that kevin lee does during his normal week now and i'm not even really speaking about me but i deal with people in the industry and they are far busier than i am you know just be one of these people that's in charge of something with a race team and it used to be even more challenging for imsa because the roar before the 24 was always the first weekend of the new year and and try getting anything done with a corporation after December 20th until about January 3rd. But yet that's when they were, you know, getting logos approved and, and so forth. And just as, as an aside, you know, maybe in motorsport, we need to figure out a way to adjust the calendar to the fiscal. It's just very difficult. Everybody's trying to finalize. This is more to IndyCar, whose season doesn't start for a couple of more months, but kind of if you don't have the budget now, you're probably not going to find it. And and the challenge for people in the past has been that the deadlines for a race team do not coincide with the deadlines for deciding marketing spend for a major corporation. That becomes really challenging. But um, so, yeah, the, the off season and more than that, it's just life things. There are always little projects that I want to get done during the winter uh, that I will have time to do, and I'm far from done with them. And as you mentioned, Jackson's already in Sebring, so he has taken coaching well uh, of the Avoid Indiana Tour, that he's on his own Avoid Indiana Tour. I've started mine again already, but I'm not taking the coaching well. So today I'm in Pittsburgh for, for a quick trip where it is just as cold, and then I will stop by our airport tomorrow and then fly uh, to Atlanta for the second time tomorrow, and then then on to Daytona and stay for for the rest of the month. So I didn't want to, I, I didn't really find an opportunity to go straight from Pittsburgh to Daytona, and that's two extra days of packing for a long trip. I didn't want to do, but after Pittsburgh, I'll, I'll get to to be in Florida. Although the early forecast I see is, you know, highs in the. Um, Highs in the 60s this weekend, lows in the high 30s, 40s, something like that. It is looking a little bit better for Rolex 24 weekend. And 
I'll say this too again, what I've, what I've said over the last few years. The first time I went to the Roar, if, if you could only go to one to two weekends, say you're listening to us and you live in Central Florida and you just want to see race cars or you want to meet race car drivers, even if you are only an IndyCar fan, I would recommend this weekend over next weekend. The IMSA paddock is open. You don't need a credential. It's something like 20 bucks a day, maybe 15 for one of the days this weekend for a general admission pass. If you buy a Rolex 24 ticket, it comes with a free pass for the Roar this weekend. But everybody's pretty busy during the Rolex. I'm talking the top-level drivers. So, if you know, if you want to see one of these, whatever, 13, 14, 15 IndyCar drivers, um, you're going to have a better chance this weekend because they've got three or four drivers per team and only one car. So that means there's a lot of standing around. And next weekend, if they're not in the car, especially once you get to Saturday in the race, they're generally, you know, resting in their bus or eating or something like that. So it's still high on the wish list of uh, for recommendations for fans to go out and just enjoy a casual weekend at the racetrack and see. You see NASCAR drivers as well. Bubba Wallace is running the Michelin Pilot Challenge race along with a couple of other NASCAR drivers. So I was talking to a friend of mine who who told me he is now working his 39th, I don't know if it's consecutive, but 39th Rolex 24 this month. And I was bemoaning the fact that we've had single digit temperatures in Indy the last, you know, several days. And many, many of those hours were spent with a minus sign in front of them. And he said, yeah, I'm getting ready to go to Day Daytona and this and that. And I said to him, I said, well, Correct me if I'm wrong, but some of my coldest nights of my life have been spent in Daytona in January. And he said, oh, absolutely. So the point Agreed. is, if, if you're going to be, uh, if, you're, if you're thinking about the Rolex, the Rolex itself is so much fun in the daytime. And it's good until it, it gets to be that time where it gets a little damp and dewy out. And then it's a little breezy and a little chilly. You better pack and be prepared because those, and I haven't, I think I've only been awake for uh, one of those from 11 to four. And I know you've worked that overnight graveyard shift on the broadcast before, but that, that overnight is as cold as the single digits we've had here in Indy the last few days. It gets real, it feels really cold. Not, it's not actually that cold, but it feels that cold. People say that, that for some reason it feels colder at night in Florida. The same temperature feels much different than it does somewhere else. And I think it's because it's so nice during the day. Well, it's, it's a humid, a it's the dampness. Drop. It's the dampness okay. as well. Okay. We They've got more humidity, so there's more moisture in the air, which is not snow, certainly. But when it's 45, 50 degrees, and I think it's also a little bit mental that you have in your head, I'm in Florida, I should be warm. Yep. And uh, the overnight is just those guys, um, those guys that sit on the pit stands, they've got heaters and they're rolling along, along as we've been here in, in the Midwest the last few days. It's cold. And and not that I don't love the Rolex. I think it's a tremendous event. And I, I really have enjoyed my times there. I'll just say this pack wisely. I think the best plan of attack is. If you're thinking about going, I again, I would recommend this weekend where everything, there is a night practice, but most of the stuff happens in the daytime, and then enjoy the NBC and USA and Peacock coverage from <laughs> the comfort of your home 
the following week because you're right after you know it gets dark there at like three hours into the race three and a half four something like that by 5 30 or six o'clock it's getting dark and it lasts a very long time so it's a wonderful event and while we all like to see the IndyCar season go a little bit longer, it's not particularly feasible from a business standpoint. So my opinion has been, even well before I started working in sports car racing, this is the next best thing. I adopted sports car racing because it's not that different than IndyCar road course racing. And it's the same people. It's active drivers and it's drivers that used to be in IndyCar or tried to get to IndyCar and found more opportunity in, in sports car. So we'll get to more of that and we'll talk more about that coming up certainly on next week's show. Uh, I want to start with uh, some of the comments that we heard from, from drivers to kick off the show tonight. And last week we had a chance to, I think I talked with every single driver. The only one I missed was I missed Stingray Rob. And I did not talk in depth with Kyle Kirkwood, but everybody else came in the, the media room where you were at. So you were there as well. Just a, a side thought. I think I want to go back to media day. What content day is accurate, but I don't know. I think my vote would be, let's just stick with media day. It's all still media. You're doing media. It's not just disseminating information, but getting your picture taken is media, right? I, I think, honestly, the change in the name was largely based to uh, to to get the drivers to think differently, that they are generating content for the season rather than dealing with the media. I don't know why the media is such Fair. a word okay. that the drivers and athletes, and these are athletes usually in general, but it's funny because on their way up to the position that, or when they're pursuing something that is that they want public opinion to be on their side, or they want people to think nicely about themselves or them. And, and, you know, there's, there's a way to use the people that distribute information, the journalist. And when that's the case, these athletes, and it doesn't matter whether it's football, basketball, or race car, race car driving, they sure know how to like the media when it's convenient to help them but they get in a spot where they don't need any help for a while. And there's always that period where things are going well and, you know, you've won a big race or you've won a championship. And, and that's not to speak to Joseph or, or Alex Polo, but you've got what you need right now. And then everything else that comes with that is a hassle. And so I get that. And I just know that generally the media is, is advantageous to these athletes and more often than not, at least, and occasionally there's there's something, but there's there seems to be this, oh, it's difficult or it's a pain in the butt to come in and, and talk to the media. But I think, and I just went back earlier today and was looking at some of the video from, from content day, when the drivers came into the media portion where the journalists sit and ask questions, and I was watching Kyle Kirkwood. And he was, it was like he was sitting with a bunch of friends. He just went through the questions, answered the questions, tried to explain the situation, talk about his lot in life, talk about Team uh, Andretti and, and all the things that come with now being a three-car team and Marcus Erickson being on his team. And genuinely, he enjoyed the conversation. Now, maybe he was 
walked away thinking, boy, that was that's a load off my mind, and I'm glad I don't have to do that again. But generally speaking, he seemed to enjoy himself. Graham always seems to enjoy himself, even though he he like takes shots at the media every once in a while. But he always seems to enjoy it. He likes the platform. He likes the and platform. He enjoys the interaction and the back and forth. He will he will take it and he will give it. Yep. And there are others. I mean, I think about Rossi. I I think Alexander Rossi likes going to the dentist more than he enjoys talking to the media. And there are others like that. You know, Joseph sometimes will be like he really enjoys it, and sometimes it's like I can't get out of there fast enough. So there, it Rossi, just Rossi would joke that he's consistent. That it's not just the media. He would say it. I don't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an interesting situation, and I don't think that's why they called it Content Day over Media Day. But but uh, I think the fact that it's largely Content Day and content, you know, we're all gathering content, whether it be photo, video, or written word, uh, for the for the future use. You know, a lot of information. I'll say this as an overview: as people started to you know, as they listen to what was said in content day and, and what was distributed. I know from my perspective, I bet I didn't distribute five to 10% of the things that that I'll have to work with over the next six to eight weeks, because there just isn't time. And most people don't have time to sit and read a story, for example, about what Felix Rosenquist has to say, but wasn't a good soundbite in that media room, then, then, a writer like myself is going to save, you know, Felix's comments. Rossi's another one. You know, we we heard what he had to say about this gathering of of the uh, administration for IndyCar and the Speedway and talking to the drivers, and we'll get to that here in a minute. But he had a lot of interesting things to say about his position in in the standings, his position with the race team, his future. And so we just save some of that. So there will be a lot of things to read over the coming, you know, three or four weeks until we have more news, until we have an actual practice session, which doesn't happen until March 8th, 9th, and 10th when we have race activity at St. Pete. So a lot of content still to flow from that gathering. And you're right. The media portion is only when they went into your room. And then in my room, and in my room, I really only got about three minutes with each driver. The rest of our 20 minutes was spent with um, things that they will use from promotional purposes for NBC, asking about specific tracks. It technically can be media, but it, you know, there's nobody out. There's no difficult questions in that. And, and why some drivers or some athletes, no matter the sport, uh, I get it why they may not enjoy media because it's not that they don't enjoy talking and sharing information. But if I were in their shoes, I would be worried about saying something wrong. And there are certain organizations, whether it's racing or another sport where you are tasked with saying exactly the right thing. So I get it. You're, you're worried about, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to misrepresent because remember just like us in this platform, unlike a, a writer, there's no delete key. And if you don't explain yourself well, and luckily, unfortunately, we are not so huge. And fortunately, we are not so huge that if they misstep, it doesn't go viral. But if you're the quarterback of the Super Bowl team and on media day, you misstep, it might end your career. 
Yeah. If you really say something that comes out the wrong way, and even you may not mean it that way. It may, when I say in your career, it might in your marketing career uh, for, from that standpoint. So, so I get into all that. And the reason I poke fun at Rossi is because he pokes fun at himself. In reality, he's no different than most drivers, but he's the one that says often, yeah, I don't really want to talk to anybody. The reality I found, and we just said this before the show starts, um, I, I enjoy when Alexander is in my section because I get meaningful quotes from him. I find him to be very helpful and very thoughtful, and he will act like he doesn't want to do it, but he'll do it, and I think he's ultimately fine with it. And I have seen him have wonderful interactions with fans. Uh, so it's just kind of the shtick that I think we all like to have with Alex. All right, so let's get to um, what what the guys were talking about to start with, and there have been a few good articles kind of explaining things. I think Nate Ryan on NBCSports.com had one of the first ones out last Wednesday or whatever. Nathan Ryan of the Indianapolis, Nathan Brown of the Indianapolis Star had a good one that posted yesterday morning. Uh, you know, obviously from a public relations standpoint and the news that's been disseminated in the last few months, it's not been awesome for IndyCar. You know, you've had another delay with the hybrid on top of the engine from a year uh, before that was put on hiatus. You've had your video game challenges. You have Honda saying we need a better ROI or we're out. Those are the big ones that I think that come to mind. I don't have the articles in front of me. Uh, so I think this makes a lot of sense. Penske Entertainment executives took the opportunity. You know, it's one thing to share the information with us, and that's important. And when I say us, I mean fans. But you also need to have the people involved in the sport. And there are always a lot of meetings with team owners and such. But the people being asked questions the most and who are your best ambassadors are the drivers, are the athletes. So we need to tell them off the record what our plan is. And it sounds like that's what happened. Well, let's start with the fact that this is not – they didn't have a gathering. In this case, it was two gatherings. They had uh, Jay Fry, as he does annually, brings the drivers in. That was a few weeks ago. You had a chance to see a lot of that on social media. They did a funny video of of what time all the drivers arrived for their 9 o'clock meeting, and some got there 10 minutes early, all the good students. And then some of the other students got there closer to right when it was mandatory to arrive that kind of thing. I had had good fun with that. But Jay brought everyone in, had a chance to talk about the pros and cons of things they were doing, things that could be improved, things that were be implemented for 2024. These were largely on-track activities. There was some marketing discussion, as there always is. And then in advance of content days, uh, there's a dinner, and this has been going on as long as I've known uh, this administration. And by that, I, I talk about Jay Fry, Mark Miles administration, not necessarily Penske administration, because Jay and, and Mark have been meeting with the drivers since, since I took the IndyCar job in 2016 and so, or in the fall of 2016. So for the 2017 season, I know that they've been happening and it's just a chance in a very casual situation to go to dinner, talk about the things that are coming talk about and i assume that the penske element of this penske entertainment did much the same thing talk about 
you know, let's talk about the video game. Let, and I don't know that that's one of the subjects, but let's talk about the hybrid. Let's talk about what Honda said or didn't say, what Chevy said or didn't say. Just talk about all those plans. And, and you know, I kind of talk about stepping out. I, I don't know that they talked specifically about any of those things, but they actually gave them a roadmap for what the plans are. Great. They got the ambassadors on board and at least got to got to disseminate information that gave the drivers, I think we can say this unequivocally, that the drivers felt very good about the things they heard. Now, as we heard and drivers have said, look, they didn't tell us, they didn't tell the fans everything just yet. It's not time to. So let's just be patient. Let's the process play out and we'll go from there. But the drivers are enthused. And I think that's the takeaway from what we heard during content days, the drivers were pleased with what they heard. And that's kind of the challenge of sharing because you can say, this is what we think or hope is going to happen. But if it doesn't happen, then that becomes another failure. And even in this sport, that has been a pointed criticism of previous leadership. Well, they talk too much out of school before something happens and it ends up not happening. And that's not the way Penske operates. And as much as I want to know what might happen, I think that's the right way. You know, you, you share information when you have it confirmed, and then it has a little more impact, and they're better about kind of keeping things close to the vest, too. Well, not just Penske Entertainment. That's also the way Jay Fry works. Jay Fry has had the buy-in of the paddock and the drivers in particular because he's been buttoned up and ready to go when it was time to to speak. He has not given them false promises. And, and you can say this whether you were in the room when he said it or not. What he has said, the drivers have consistently stayed in step with and in unison and in support of Jay because he's done that since he got here. He has... He has had buy-in before he announced something. He's talked to all the manufacturers. He's talked to all the team owners. He's had driver meetings. He's had team manager meetings. So it was buy-in before he made the decision. And you know that it's been effective because since he got here, you've had a unified paddock, which we, we didn't always see in the 35 years I've been covering this sport. Nathan Brown's story in the star yesterday gave us definitive names. We knew who some of the names, but we weren't sure what the the list is or was. Joseph Newgarden, Scott Dixon, Alexander Rossi, Marcus Erickson, Graham Rahal. Now, if you're wondering, well, why wasn't Pato a ward there? Is because he's been outspoken? My guess is it's more likely because his content day wasn't until when was this? It was Tuesday and Wednesday last week. Is that right? Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday. Wednesday, Thursday. His day was on Thursday. This was a Tuesday night dinner. Pato may not have gotten to town until Wednesday. I don't know. Maybe he said I'm not busy or I am busy, or maybe they didn't invite him. I don't know, but it's sometimes just down to logistics. And as you said, they've done this in the past. Maybe they had a different group of five or six drivers last year. I don't see any duplicates with teams. So drivers can kind of share with their teammates. Uh, so I, I wouldn't read too much into that part of it. I do think Rossi, for example, going back to him, is a good person to speak for you. Knowing Alexander Rossi, he he's going to give his opinion. He's not just going to tote the company line. He is going if, if he doesn't believe in something, he's going to give you a shorter answer. Does that make sense? 
and, and I'd put Graham Rahal in that category as well. Graham yes. and Jay Fry are particularly good friends off the racetrack, but I know that Graham will will tell Jay what he thinks is, uh, you know, best for the sport or best for his organization or best for the team or the driver. I mean, he'll he'll just tell him, and uh, that's a that's a relationship and a communications flow that you can only appreciate. That he'll tell you. Uh, you ask him a question, and sometimes you'll get an answer even if you don't ask the question. Uh, but you'll hear from guys like Rossi and and Graham and the ones you mentioned because they're not a I, I, the phrase is they're not afraid to tell you. But the reality is they just know that communication will help the process and they're good about communicating. Best guess on topics of discussion, because no one will say and Nathan wrote this in a story and others did as well. You know, everybody's talking about. The things that, that Honda talked about, what they want. They want more revenue. Well, they do have an opportunity, as we, we've said on this show before, to create some instant revenue gains with television contract. It is up. And it's possible. They told the drivers, hey, we actually have competitive offers. And we are already confident that we are going to see an increase, either with our current partner paying a little bit more uh, or we found an acceptable option where we could go somewhere else. That's part one that it could have been to leave these drivers feeling a little bit more enthused than maybe they were before. Not just enthused. They would have left more informed uh, and television would have absolutely. I, I don't think you can even, even suggest that it wouldn't have been one of the topics discussed. They're just in too much of a process. Now, maybe they can't, they can't give them, specific details, but I suspect they gave him enough information about how the process is unfolding uh, to have them feel part of the, maybe not part of the process, but at least apprised of the process. I think that's important. That's, that's what these meetings are for. The key in this TV negotiation, which has to be very high at the priority list because it, it's, it's a now thing. You want to have this buttoned up before you get to May. You'd like to. Um, especially if you're staying with the incumbent. You'd like to go ahead and announce it before that when they have their biggest reach and have them as excited as they can possibly be for the Indy 500. If they choose another path, then I suspect we may not see anything announced uh, until later. But this is going on right now. And what, what needs to happen from IndyCar's standpoint is they need to have interest from someone else if nbc is the only interested party that they are open to considering then that's not very good for indycar because then it's nbc bidding against themselves and they can kind of negotiate their own deal but if they have already received enough interest from someone else and then it may be a game of chicken you know okay if it's the cw are you really open to taking that even if they offer you more money, you, then you're going to have to weigh that process. But maybe they feel like, okay, we have an acceptable option, and now we'll sit down and share that with our current partner and see if they'd like to match that, and then we'll go on and announce it as soon as possible. So that's that's kind of part one about that. I would also um, think it's possible we get misinformation publicly on this, and I'm probably not going to share a whole lot, and right now I don't know. A whole lot or anything but i will 
likely stick to what people publish. And I just remember from the last time around, I know Nathan's story mentioned like it was a pretty straightforward process for the renewal last time around. I don't recall it that way. I recall Sports Business Journal saying IndyCar is going to CBS. And to the point where a lot of us involved thought, uh-oh, this is happening. So you might hear some disseminating information out there, whether true or not, I do not know. But again, best situation for IndyCar is they need competition. And you know this from your days at the Star, uh, when you hear about trade rumors and league, you know, somebody has leaked that information and they've leaked it for a reason. The other and thing sometimes I would, it's true and sometimes it's not. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely the case. The only thing I would caution is that I don't want people. You made the comment that if if they were staying with NBC, that you would likely know that or or would it would seem logical that you would know that going into May. I don't know. I, I wouldn't take May either way as a sign either direction. I, I, I'd say, I guess I'd say this way. If you have a deal. Yeah, you would announce it as soon as it is done. But the last one was not announced until after the Indy 500. And that's part of what got us a little bit worried, plus the report. And Sports Business Journal is often very, very good. But someone planted that information for a reason and ended up not going that way. Yeah, I just was would make the point that that I yeah, wouldn't I, uh, I wouldn't set a date publicly in my mind, even if I was just a casual fan following along. These things are these things get done when they're done, and if it needs to take more time, but it's there's an incredible balance that's in at play here, trying to get more revenue while trying to keep uh, the most eyeballs possible. You know, I NBC provides all the eyeballs necessary does it all the cash that indycar seeks i you can't answer that so there has to be a balance and that's part of what uh leadership would be trying to manage you know money eyeballs you that's know it's a tough decision it's I'm tough glad i'm not making that one because what we just saw this past weekend well i guess that's that's not a that's not a good comparison so in this case the nfl got the best of both worlds with their first exclusive playoff game on streaming on Peacock. They've been dipping their toe in the water with games on Amazon. And they did another streaming before that. And they had one regular season game on Peacock. The final numbers come out on Friday, but the numbers that NBC released on Sunday night set an average of 23 million people streaming. This, you know, seems high, seems high. That seemed higher than I expected. Um, now, is it possible that that included the two markets which got the game over air? Meaning, you know, in Kansas City and in Miami, those were not just streamed. But those are not. So Kansas City is not a huge market. So there is another 400. That, that's a, I think the Kansas City number is probably closer to 45 or 50 percent are watching the game. Miami is a very diverse market. You're probably looking at more like 10 or 15% watching the game there. Agreed. I would think that is likely involved. Plus, it also involves NBCSports.com potentially, and NFL Plus has something. But it said streaming. Yeah. So to me, that takes out. 
I think it's probably a max of a million people watching actual televisions in, in those two markets. Um, so that's the best of both worlds. You're developing what people in the industry think is the next way to reach the audience. This is cable TV. <laughs> this, this is nothing new. People have been paying for content for 50 years certainly 40 years cable has been pretty significant since the 80s yes there's the over the air um, but you've been paying for that you've been paying for that before and this is just a different way and i get the principle of the thing and i'm i'm tired of of having all these different uh outlets you know it makes me think I wish there was some way where you could bundle all of these different content providers together and you use one remote and you don't have to go back and forth and it's just there and it comes in one bill every month. Oh, that's cable TV. Yes, we had that and we're going away from that. Uh, so now we're paying, I think I have five different ones. There's Amazon, there's Hulu, there's Netflix, there's Disney+. Plus. I think I finally canceled HBO Max or whatever it's called now. I've canceled Showtime. Peacock's the cheapest one of it. Uh, so I, I get the principle that you're tired and this is the latest and we don't want to deal with it anymore. But, you know, the way uh, my wife has told me to look at this when I start looking at trying to cut our bills and knock out the $16 a month from Netflix or something like that, it was... You know, we went to Disney two weeks ago and one round of ice cream for the family was 32 bucks. I'm surprised that it was that cheap. Six minutes. So there's other ways that we can find uh, budget concessions, like saving $5,000 and not going to Disney would probably be the first one. And then we can have all the streaming platforms all year long we want. Well, I would also say the benefit is that... Uh, if you're not interested in some of those options, you don't have to have them. Whereas you had cable and you wanted cable, you got all those different channels, whether you wanted them or not. It was part of your cable bill. At least you can parcel out. I'm not interested in the Cubs, so I don't have to have that streaming service. I don't have to watch. Uh, well, now my my streaming service doesn't offer uh, Bally Sports, which was where the Pacers are. Yeah, me either. Yeah, I don't. So the point is, I don't have to have some of those things. So I'm not, you know, I don't. It's been have... great for the non-sports fan. Not so good for us, the sports fan. But the, that's most of your a lot of your cable bill was ESPN. It was yep. 10 bucks a month on average was going straight to ESPN. And now if you don't care about ESPN, you can find an alternative that is significantly cheaper. So in some ways. That's a good thing. So roundabout story, I was trying to dig that in, but you know, the NFL is finding out ways to, they collected $110 million and they didn't lose the audience. Right. But right. that's the dilemma. You can collect more money up front, but you're, unless you're the NFL, you're just not going to get the reach. So how important is that? You know, this sport does do a lot of business to business rather than just depending on eyeballs. But generally speaking, uh, I think the consensus is we, we need the deal that gives us the most network television availability moving forward. All right. There, there's some other things to get to from that and other things we learned from content days last week. We'll share as we continue trackside 93.5107.5 the fan.
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hi, this is Joseph Newgarden, and you're listening to Trackside. We continue the conversation, week number two of 2024, with racing coming up this month with the Rolex 24 uh, IndyCar testing. I think there are some that told me last week they're going to be at Homestead next week between the Roar, which is this weekend at Daytona, and the Rolex 24 the next weekend. So I know a few teams are testing. Uh, Indy Next has been at Sebring. The last couple of days, we've got our reporter on the scene, Jackson Lee, who reported that it was raining yesterday. We'll get more on day number two. Also, I won't share who, but one team up and left very early on. So we're not bothering to sit and watch and waste our time in the rain. So they went home early on on Monday. Um, Oh, before I forget, I wanted to share this. This is, you know, not IndyCar. We'll get back to media and content day. But. I was excited to read on Monday about the um, partnership between Cape Motorsports, perennial champion in USF 2000, who stepped up to the top level below IndyCar last year and Indy Next as a new team. They are combining, as had been reported, was it Formula Scout that first wrote this last fall? One of the um, websites that covers Junior Formula Series. Uh, They are combining with Andretti Global is now the name uh, of the team. And that's fantastic because obviously I'm biased. Jackson drove for Cape. I think highly of Dominique and and Nicholas Cape, but I also knew how hard it was going to be for a relatively new two car team to compete with four cars at Andretti and 10 at HMD plus able motorsports and a veteran driver like Jacob and, and a few other teams. So happy for, for those guys. Yeah, it should. It's already going to be a pretty deep field without, I suppose you could say there there is some leading candidates to win the championship. There's some with with race winning experience. I think there are three drivers in next that won races in 2023, but it should be a pretty deep field. Um, we've continued to see the the regrowth of of the series in terms of competition and and depth in the in you know, the, the characters, if you will, and, and that's teams and drivers. So this is going to be an interesting series. Uh, obviously that, you know, one of those that, that uh, should take another step forward that didn't win a race last year is Jamie Chadwick. I think she'll be more relevant in 2024. Plus, as you mentioned, uh, or as I mentioned, I guess, you know, the race winners like Louis Foster coming back, uh, that probably ought to be the the favorite going in, but there are other drivers who uh, Jacob Abel being another one. He didn't win a race, and you'd think he would be a championship contender as well. Eater Series is actually who had that. FS Americas is the uh, site that that had that posted last fall. So good for them. This will be a good option for young drivers to to be affiliated with Andretti and also work with the Capes as well. All right, we were talking before about the. The dinner with some of the top IndyCar drivers and Penske Entertainment Management. We talked about TV contracts and other thing that might have excited the drivers 
a little bit, and, and Nathan and some others hinted at this. Uh, they saw one of the producers with 100 Days to Indie program. I saw him as well. I won't share what we discussed. I'll share what Nathan wrote. And one of the things that he wrote, which I do not know exact details of this, so I can speak fully truthfully on this. Nathan Brown of the Indianapolis Star wrote that there uh, may be an announcement soon about um, um, a major distribution platform for season one ahead of what others mark miles has said this publicly many times since last fall they expect for there to be a season two we'll get details of that if and when it is announced but they've been trying to find a home for season one you know meeting on something like hulu or amazon prime or netflix something that has an international reach and also might reach some new people domestically yeah that's that's a big fantastic it is fantastic my as as I think we've talked about before, my son wrote a six part and produced and then created a six part miniseries that's based more for people in their young twenties. And it was it was rolling along, you know, kind of just among friends and family, and and they were able to get a, dis, a distribution service that is in in the U.S. and in Portugal, which is where my daughter in law is from. And anyway, that's. They now you now can get it on Amazon Prime, and so that is a big deal. It certainly it elevates your product, whatever your product is. It certainly makes it more likely to be seen, and and you need more than just you know knocking on the door of of Amazon or Hulu and saying here we are. It takes a service to do that, and and that service is like a you know just like an agent, if you will, helping you place your product, and so. We've watched that happen on a personal side and and saw the benefit. I can only imagine what this might do for for the 100 Days to Indie product. Well, you better plug it. What's the name of the program? (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right, don't do that to me right on top of the spot. Um, You don't know. I do know. All right, that'll be when we correct our things at the end. We'll we'll get Stat Boy in the next segment to tell us what the name is. <laughs> I just drew a blank. How can that happen? Uh, you you get to the Google machine and see if you can find that. Oh, I know. Uh, in in the next little bit. Uh, let me. Th- was there anything else that was mentioned um, from those that that are just trying to guess as to what they they talk about? Certainly, I'm sure they talked about the hybrid and the plans there. And I'm sure the question was asked. Hey, what do y'all make of what Honda said? What can we do there from from that standpoint? So I'm going to guess that was a a talking point. And I'd be massively curious about that, too. I I still don't know what the best path is. I wrestle with the idea of going to a common engine. You know, for example, Ilmore supplying for both Chevy and Honda or whoever else is involved. The first part of me thinks, well, wait a minute. You know, if, if chassis is not made by Chevy or Honda, and the engine is not made by Chevy or Honda, what is it doing for them? But that's probably looking too deeply in it, and it's still a branding exercise. It can still serve the purpose, and if it saves everybody a lot of money, then it's fine with me. You know, I'm into competition. I'm not technical. I'm not a gearhead, so I like competition. So that would be fine for me as a fan. I I only worry about that because what do the manufacturers think 
Do they find enough value if they do? And by the way, they could still probably do some yeah. things to differentiate a little bit. They could. They could say, well, we have the ability to work on fuel mileage or mapping, or maybe we're developing the dampers, something else like that could still create some competition between Chevy and Honda or, or whoever else is involved. Yeah, it isn't just a marketing spend. It's There will be some differentiation points, but it's just they won't have to spend as much time in, in research and development and all the time they spend. So it still can be a benefit. Uh, by the way, it is called Cherry Bomb. I don't know why I couldn't say it off the top of my head. If you do a search on in any of your streaming platforms, Amazon would be Amazon Prime is a good one. Uh, go to Cherry Bomb, and then uh, I often add Quinn Cavan uh, to the to the list and because there was a show years ago called called Cherry Bomb and it was spelled a little bit differently. So naturally, if you just type in Cherry Bomb and then Cavan maybe would be a third word, uh, you'll okay. find it. Or but, you may get a John Mellencamp song. Or you might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's based, by the way, the fun part for us, in addition to our son doing the, the amount of work on it, is uh, the the leading actress is is our daughter-in-law, who's fantastic and and plays a real it's just interesting you turn it on and it's like you know it's like she's in the room with you because the character while different it's still her you know what i mean it's so it's it's interesting so uh oh some other nuggets where did i read this this was in bruce martin's forbes.com story that miles confirmed mark miles confirmed that the leader circle fund which pays the top 22 indycar entrants for full season participation at least we think it does. I don't know if that's published either, but we that we think that's been the, the case. Will be increased substantially in 2024, Mark says. And Bruce writes, he did not reveal the increased amount of the payout. But I did a little searching from previous stories. And Mark Miles told Nathan Brown of the Star last fall it could go up $400,000 to $1.3 So that might be something that the drivers were told to get them a little more excited within the teams. I suspect they could have talked about uh, an exhibition race in Argentina <laughs> or somewhere else. And while that may not be a lot to get people excited about, if you say, and it's going to come with this amount of cash towards the teams, which is good for the bottom line. That's why I think this is a, if it happens, it's a win. You don't do this to break even. This is a, this is a cash grab. Let's be honest about it. That serves a couple of purposes. The cash grab is good for the teams. The event is good for us because going back to the start of the show, the off season is too long for those not involved in the sport. So this gives us something to watch in October, IndyCar related and shorten that off season a little bit. So I think that would be a very positive uh, thing as well. Got another thought on hybrid and if that can happen this year or not, we'll get to that in a little bit, and we'll get you set for hour two coming up. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
Hi, this is Alexander Rossi, and you're listening to Trackside. Okay, short segment here, Kurt. One thing I wanted to mention, we have started the racing season, and the Chili Bowl was this past week. I was able to watch a little bit. They had a um, Flow TV, had a stream of the early rounds. So like early heats and early alphabet soup on Saturday morning. So I got just a little bit of a taste on free YouTube. And I got no problem with somebody charging what they can charge. I just decided I don't watch enough of it to pay $150 a year. And I did find there was a $40 a month option that if I would have found that at the beginning of the week, I might do that next year. You know, if I can go Tuesday through Saturday, I think I could invest in that. I got to watch uh, one of Dylan Welch's early heats. He advanced in that one, did not advance in the next one. But Logan Seavey, who has become a friend of the show, we've had him on a couple of times this year because he drives for my friend Brent Cox's team in the normal USAC season. Abacus had three other drivers there. One of them made the AMA, Michael Pickens, who you might have seen Scott McLaughlin was rooting for because he's a Kiwi. Um, but when Logan won last year for Kevin Swindell, he made a promise right then. They said, yeah, if we win, I'll come back to you next year. So that's why he wasn't with Brent's team. But Logan won the Chili Bowl again. He's becoming one of the stars of short track uh, racing. Locals, Spencer Baston is from Lebanon. He finished eighth in the A-Main. Emerson Axum, who I've known since he was a little kid in quarter midgets, finished 11th. He is from Franklin. Chase Briscoe, NASCAR driver from Mitchell, Indiana, finished 21st. So the racing season is officially underway. Coming up in hour number two, um, I, I had a thought about hybrid and kind of the challenge of this. And then I have a thought about, are we really going to change this midseason? Uh, so we'll get into that, and then I'll look at my notes, and I know we got a lot more to get to. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hi, this is Graham Rahal, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hour number two. All right, maybe a few minutes already into hour number two. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis. Landon Coons is there. I'm somewhere else. Kurt is somewhere else. You know where you are. Thanks for joining us tonight on the program. A reminder, next week, Monday. I think we're on Mondays the next two night, two weeks. So make a note to join us. Let me check the calendar again just to confirm. Next Monday night, the 22nd. <laughs> Did you really Monday night the 29th? Did you really say that to make sure you and I show up on Monday? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Not so much and the help Landon as well. Yeah. And then if I'm wrong, Landon will send me a note if something changes because sometimes things do get changed and often we are one of the last to know. Um but I'm available next Monday night. So we we will we will work to do that. Uh okay, so we talked about uh hybrids a little bit and and some of the things going on there. And I don't know how much it came up in the media room on that. 
in the room I was in, which had multiple tasks, it was getting pictures. It was really cool. And and maybe next week or later on, we'll share some of that because the Borg Warner trophy was in my room. And that's what I, I posted on social media in the morning. And, you know, some have spent some time with it. Uh, but several said, this is the first time I've ever been up close to it. And we're really? just, really, yes, yes. Um, you know, some have been at events and they've gone to the museum, but they're probably there for an event and they go up and try to look at it and somebody starts talking to them. So this was a chance to really dig into it. And even Joseph, who just spent time with it a few weeks ago, got down and you could see genuinely, you know, he looked at his picture and he's seen the process of, is it Nick Barron's? Is that the name of the, the Will Barron's? Will, Will Barron's. Thank you. Um, of, of that process, but he wanted to see it again because, you know, he's got a lot going on that day that it's announced. And he was genuinely excited to see a little bit more and people like to learn about the history of it. And, and just think, I mean, that that's the symbol of everything you have worked for and continue to work for, that's it right there. And then we did, you know, some of the interviews, which you won't see until May, but we did, you know, some of these will be what we call rejoiners or what I call rejoiners in the TV world. They probably call it something else, but little vignettes that you could see coming in, uh, going to breaks, coming in, coming out of breaks, and some will be used for features. That, that we put together. So that was part of it. And then was, you know, hey, little soundbite we can use, talk about St. Petersburg, talk about Iowa, talk about Milwaukee, just trying to get every venue down. So I got a little bit of time with each driver. And I'll say this, even though it would be a big question, I didn't bother asking because not that I'll believe it when I see it, but I just think we're a long way away from it. I did not ask people about you know, they may develop an entire new package that comes out with five races left in the championship. What do you think? Now, some drivers brought that up on their own, and they're not fans of it. So I still don't know how they do this. When the announcement was made for the delay, I believe the verbiage said something like, we'll debut after the Indy 500. And that can mean a lot of things. That can mean in Detroit's. Technically, could it mean in testing in October? Because I think there are a lot of challenges trying to introduce an entirely new package in the middle of a season. Well, I don't have anything to add to it. And 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 I say that from the standpoint of even I thought this when the drivers were asked about it, because. I wouldn't say every driver was asked about it because that, that wouldn't be fair. But in the media room of the 25 drivers, I guess 26, I will tell you that the 25 confirmed drivers, we haven't mentioned this, but the 25 confirmed drivers were all in attendance. There was a 26th. It was R.C. Enerson who spoke like he has an Indy 500 deal, but there was some some statements made within the room uh, by by people with within his team saying the deal's not done yet. We just expect it to happen. So anyway, R.C. Enerson was on site. So that made 26. And so of those 26, I would say 12 or 13 were asked about the hybrid. And 
I would venture to say, I didn't do a poll, but I would venture to say that most of those were drivers with experience of at least five years in the sport. Veteran drivers were asked about it, largely more so than younger drivers. And I would say their answers all really stemmed on speculative, meaning, you know, they were almost saying as if we kind of need to know what the details and when it debuts before we really can say anything. I mean, how do you really know until we see it, until we know more information? Keep in mind, it's only January. Detroit, that Detroit, Detroit race, the first one after Indy isn't until June. That's six, you know, full five months from now, almost six. So I understand why they didn't have a lot to say because they don't really know much just yet. They're waiting on more information. Unless it's ready to go here in January and you can do some preseason testing, it's going to be tough because you can't unveil this. And this goes back to why it was delayed to begin with. Because we don't want to introduce this new technology and have massive failures. That doesn't do anybody any good. Same still applies whenever you roll it out. And it's going to be challenging for these teams that are already a little bit overworked and understaffed to begin with to divide and conquer. Formula One can probably do something like that. And in fact, they do do that. They are developing during the season, the next year's cars. IndyCar does not do that. So, and I think the general consensus would be, let's just wait until 25. However, how much is Honda demanding that we see this on track in 2024? That would be, frankly, I think the the incentive to do this. And also from IndyCar standpoint of, yeah, we said it happened in 24, and here it is. But once you miss the start of the season, I think that's something to be excited about for 2025. So I think you do this if someone has said, you'd better do this. And it if it does happen, it's going to be fascinating because the championship will be wide open. I don't care if Alex Pelot wins four of the first six races. Uh, it's going to be a brand-new ball game because we don't know what's going to change with with a new car. As for a timeline, you know what? If they wanted to, there is the Olympic break. Maybe that is the opportunity to do it. I know that seems really late in the season, and when people hear after the Indy 500, they're thinking in June, but that's not how I read it. I, I read it could be later on, and I'm trying to pull up a schedule real quick of how many races they still have after the that's the indy next schedule after the olympic break which goes from july 22nd through basically august 14th uh so you you've got a decent amount of time and it's not like you just have two weekends left you have four weekends and five races yeah not perfect but it's not like you're rolling it out with two to go that might be the window to be, be able yeah, to be. finish the development, do the testing, have some time. By the way, that also might be good for us as fans that want to see content, is that we've got some testing. We do an open test at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway that people can come and see. Uh, so just a thought there. They have been doing testing, by the way. They did quite a bit in the fall. They just haven't. There's been four teams doing a lot of testing. Correct, but they stopped. I understand they're that. out of parts. So I, 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 what I'm saying is unless they have the parts 
supply issue fixed to where they can start testing because they need to give them to the teams. Only four teams have this package. Six of them do not. And these are the teams that are not Penske, Ganassi, Andretti, McLaren. And you're going to tell them, hey, you got to get ready to go compete this coming weekend in Detroit. And oh, by the way, you need to be ready to run this other car in two weeks. And they're going to say, but we don't have another car. Yeah. I was just making the point that uh, clarifying what you had said that they hadn't done any testing, that so, okay. that much had done testing, but yeah, correct. not enough for the all teams. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get to where things stand. And is it TBD or TBA when we reference Dale Coin Racing? Because it's back and a lot of people have missed it. Dale's been announcing drivers way too soon the last few years. Yeah. And I think this is something that we as IndyCar fans can embrace. It's it's too much to have every seat buttoned up before we get to Christmas. We need some uncertainty to get us going. My favorite was when the first practice of St. Pete had started and we're saying, "Have are you ready to announce this driver? Because he's in the car and they're on the track right now. And that's when we got the announcement. I'm not sure there was a, a driver name sticker on the car when it rolled out, but the so. driver was in the car, but there was no name sticker. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's good fun that that Dale uh, keeps things going. You know, I, honestly, I would have liked to have seen the drivers at content day whenever content day is held, because it, it gives them the same opportunity to be photographed and, you know, get with the Borg Warner trophy, just as you suggested uh, happened in the NBC room. So I think there's a lot of benefits to it. But the fact that we don't know yet, it's kind of fun still. I think we know the basic pool of people. There might be one or two still in play that we haven't talked about. So maybe let, let's let see where you take it, and let's see what I can add to it. Um, well, there's a new development yesterday. First, last week, I I started hearing that my best guess, and I think everybody's best guess, the name we've been hearing for Dale Coin Racing since – August, since it was clear that he was leaving Andretti, was Devlin D. Francesco. And I have one source that said, I don't think that's going to happen. And then the next day, there was a story on racer.com just kind of detailing what's left with a quote from Devlin saying, I'm leaving that to my managers. I'm definitely working to come back in 25 full swing if 24 does not happen, but I will definitely be back. One million percent is just a matter of when, not if. So that that kind of goes along with what I had heard the day before. He's speaking already more to 25. I hope for Devlin's sake, that's that's not it, that he still has an opportunity. So then the next thought was, all right, here's the list of people we've named. And I thought, well, Daniel Frost is somebody that I know Dale Coyne thinks highly of, had a good test with him last year, has some budget. I don't know how much. So maybe he's in the mix. And I'll get to the other thoughts I had. And then today on Instagram, he writes, I'll be actually yesterday on Monday morning. I'll be taking a brief pause from racing to serve my country in the military for the next two years. It's a proud moment for me as a Singaporean. While some racers find their way back to the track after military service, others don't. But don't worry, Jasmine Frost will keep the fire burning in the USA, working on our next big goal, IndyCar. Your support means everything to me. Um, stay tuned for updates. And then uh, I believe I've heard, I'm on, honestly not up to what's required for young people in Singapore, but this might be compulsory. We've heard this of athletes before. 
that everyone is expected to fulfill military requirements. So, unfortunately for Daniel, you can cross him off. Fortunately, good for him. Good for him. And and I'll say this. I don't think this is why he's doing it. One, if it is compulsory, he has no choice, or maybe he does. People people with means sometimes get out of these things. That's been at least it does in America. That's the way it used to happen when it was required to serve. So maybe there was another option, but maybe he's just decided, you know what? This is going to be good for me. Uh, I want to do something to serve my country. And if they haven't thought of this as someone looking for an angle for a driver, I think this is going to be good for Daniel if he wants to drive again. That's tough taking two years out, but he's still pretty young. Um, He's now got a different brand. He's got a reason, even if he's not serving in the United States military, this is a young man that has separated himself or will have from everybody else. And, you know, this is what drivers are told. You've got to find a way to differentiate yourself it's a james hinchcliffe painting one shoe red and one black uh, green and being funny you know that's one thing they're they're different causes that you can associate with this could be something that is good for daniel frost because i think he'll find more people interested in his story when if and when he returns and he's going to do it's something great. really good in the meantime i think it's tremendous the only thing i thought about is how big is the singapore military Singapore itself's not very big. So anyway. Maybe he's in charge. Maybe that's maybe why he's, he's not, in charge. Maybe he's starting as an officer. <laughs> I don't know, but Daniel's a nice guy. You know, I I can't say I I young nice young guy. I don't know him real well. He's not super chatty, but he won a race last year. Yep. And he expected to do better in the championship. He has won several races in the road to Indy for maybe like the last six years or so. But that was he's, one. Cross he's him very off. he's very talented. That's true. Yeah, cross cross him off. Another name I've thrown out for a while, and then a few people have told me, no, that's and, – and I was just throwing it out there. I didn't have any information on Jack Harvey. It was more of just a hope for Jack and also just common sense, knowing what we know about Dale Coyne. He likes to give people a chance. He likes talent. Jack is talented. He was not in the best situation for him the last couple of years. Some people have told me, not Dale Coyne, so that's not definitive. But I've heard that there is interest and there is a desire. Now, what that might take is it might take a driver with more funding in one seat to kind of share that. But from a commercial side, Jack may have found some things that can kind of help his cause, either pay his salary or help with the budget. Uh, And then the other name that I would say is, you know, it's the same name we've said before. We don't have a resolution with Benjamin Peterson versus A.J. Foyt Racing, but it's clear he's not going to drive there. So if there is still funding available for Benjamin, then that could be an option for him to take that to Dale Coyne Racing. Does Callum Eilat have anything? You know, I think that's kind of the same situation as Jack. He would probably take another funded driver to share, to put him in a position there. Um, Oliver Askew... Simona Di Silvestro, if you know if Beth Peretta has been trying to put something together with Peretta Autosport, could she share? Could could that be the funding that helps make the second car work there? Ed Jones' name comes up every once in a while. 
I'm not aware of anybody else. Who am I forgetting that could be a semi-full season option? Well, I think that's the list you would start with. Um, I think there's a chance somebody else is involved because it wouldn't be Dale Coyne if he didn't have some surprise element to it. Um, I don't know if Steph Wilson has enough budget to to consider more than the Indy 500, but that has been a target before in the past. My best guess is I've not talked to Stefan for a while is that he had partners to help him with the Indy 500. Uh, if they can find an acceptable seat, but I'm not aware of, of anything else. And then there's the F2 path, which you always think about Dale with. And most of the names there have stated their intentions for next year, either as reserve drivers, returning to F2, uh, Super Formula, WEC, whatever the case may be. But I wouldn't rule out F3 or something else. Santino Ferrucci basically came from F3. That's He'd had no success in F2, and he was very qualified to drive his IndyCar. So, yeah, like you said, there might be a wild card for Dale Coyne racing. You also didn't mention, but we would point out that Santino Ferrucci ran the Chili Bowl, got to the K, K main, and so I haven't had a chance yet to speak to him. He's got a busy week, by the way. He's getting married on Saturday in West in Palm Beach, Florida. So he joined the list of drivers who have either gotten married or had a baby in the off season. It's been an eventful year for the paddock. And so we'll, uh, or an eventful, eventful off season. So Santino's got a busy week, so we'll leave him to, we'll talk about the chili bowl here in the coming weeks, but this week it's all about getting married. We'll talk about the chili bowl in the coming weeks. Is there no, with, no, I'd, I'd, I'd like to ask. Santino about oh, the chili bowl. about him. So I got to see uh, one of his prelims. Maybe it was his Friday night. I, that was the free YouTube feed. I think he started second. He kind of dropped like a rock uh, <laughs> yeah. and finished sixth or seventh. But that is that is nothing against him. This is impossible. What he is trying to do, what Connor Daly tried to do, what anyone who is not in that, he actually did well. He didn't finish last, and not finishing last in those races is a huge accomplishment. Those people do this all the time. He does it one time a year and didn't grow up doing it. Our buddy Dylan Welch does it one time a year, and that's hard enough, but at least he had some experience doing that on a semi-regular basis for a few years when he was a late teenager in early 20s. Now, Santino is a totally different background, so that is no shame at all. I still always applaud guys like him and Josh Palicki who ran in like the lowest end of alphabet soup because they just, they're open to challenges and they like racing. And Connor yeah. did the same thing. So, so good for them. Um, engineer fronts. So I don't know where Craig Hampson is going yet. I heard a couple of rumors and I don't know anything definitive. I, I don't know whether he is going to be allowed to be there at the beginning of the season or if it's going to be until mid season when we see him so that's still one of the big tbds and if somebody knows where he's going and i well one if it's dale coin then that's the only seat remaining but again everybody is going to be interested he's going to be able to choose between most every team where he wants to go on his terms and the family's already moved out of chicago so unfortunately that probably doesn't give dale any more chance than anywhere else 
One of the other engineers I had mentioned a, a few weeks ago is Brandon Fry, who's been involved in IndyCar a little bit off and on, off and ran a one-off. He's been, I forget the title, but sort of the head of the Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, BMW sports car program, technical director, plus really running the operation. Well, he resigned in the fall, and today Sports Car 365 wrote that he's going to Penske. The, the rich get richer, but not in IndyCar. So he's one of those that is, is going to have options. If he wanted to engineer an IndyCar, he could do that. But Penske is bringing him in to kind of – Jonathan Dugood is, runs that program, who's an engineer we remember from IndyCar, and he's going to kind of oversee the two GTP cars. But, you know, if they ever got to the time where they wanted to do something extra in May – you know, Jonathan and Brandon would both be people that could help them on the IndyCar side if they felt like they needed something. Uh, you mentioned R.C. Enerson was there. I talked to R.C. for a while, you know, as he basically told everyone else and he told me, the fact that I'm here, and this wasn't just R.C. going rogue. He didn't just say, yeah, I'm going to Indy and showing up at media day. Able Motorsports asked him to be there. He was there with a team representative. I believe what they said publicly is accurate. You know, nothing is ever 100% until it's done. So I don't believe that the contracts are all properly signed, but the plan is, from the fact that they invested in him coming to Indianapolis, is that he's going to do the Indy 500. So, you know, now I think we are at 34 with the two Dreyer and Reinbolds, which... I haven't refreshed today, and we had some changes today, so maybe if something came out today, that'll come up in the next segment in a moment, but that's with the Andretti fourth. I have confirmed there is a fourth engine for Andretti. We assume for Marco Andretti, who, by the way, was fastest in single car running at ARCA last week at Daytona and ended up like eight quick or something like that, and it sounds like maybe he's doing the ARCA race at Daytona, but with that, that's 34. So the extras would be if Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan runs a fourth and if Foyt runs a third. That's how you could get to 36, and it would be equal 18 apiece. I don't think either are done. So I'm not going to tell you there's going to be 36, but I, I do think we have at least 34, and I'm a little bit iffy. I don't know the level of motivation for Foyt to run a third. I think, honestly, it's going to depend on how big the check is because I know the last two years, Larry has said, I really don't want to run a third. And I know two years ago, he ran one after he was basically begged to run one. So what's his feeling on that? Probably not super high unless it's the right combination. And for Ray Hall, there are still, I'm told a couple of people in play. I think it's Takuma Sato, but I'm going to guess if there's someone else in play, it's Catherine Legg, who was a friend of Honda, and they might still be considering that. But I have to think the better chance is the Ray Hall would run. So I'm going to say over under at 35, and you could take the over and still have a decent chance. Yeah, I, I think the over's got a shot. So, Okay. All right, coming up, we're going to introduce you to one of the young drivers that um, we've spoken about here before. We always get the champions from the road to Indian, and he was the winner of last year's USF 2000 championship, has moved up to USF Pro 2000. Simon Sykes will join us, and then more to come before we're done tonight on Trackside.
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hi, this is Felix Rosenquist, and you're listening to Trackside. Thanks for staying with us. We continued the tradition each year. We like to introduce our audience to drivers that we think have a chance to move up to IndyCar in coming years and just celebrate those that have won one of the championships in the road to Indy, or it's now known the USF Pro Championships. And I'll admit I'm a little biased on our next driver because he was my son Jackson's teammate back in F1600. They were both Team USA scholarship winners uh, in 2020. And he has gone on to win this year's USF 2000 championship with Pabst Racing in very dominating fashion, winning six of the 18 on the podium 15 times, I think it was. And he'll be back with Pabst in USF Pro 2000 in 2024, Simon Sykes. Simon, publicly, congratulations on the championship. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm doing well, just uh, off the back of of the first event of 2024 down at, at, at the cart track in Miami working for cart chaser, but really excited to get the testing going and, and start the season off here soon. So we're going to talk about your championship and what's next in just a moment and your story, which is unique, but this is also unique. We had miles Rowe on who's essentially you're in his seat next year. So that's a good seat to be in because that car did quite well in 2023, but miles has an interesting background as someone who's not, 16 17 years old who's had to work for himself has gone to college and you know miles has a lot of interests and has done some things professionally you're doing things professionally also in the motorsports industry tell, tell me what you're doing at cart tracks now beyond the typical thing like my kid does and coaching yeah absolutely so uh growing up i i uh, we we all raced at the same cart track in Georgia, and my friend, good friend Xander Clements, started a broadcasting company uh, called Cart Chaser, where we follow uh, more of the prominent karting events across North America in, in the national series and provide coverage and, and social content for all of those. And through that, I've worked for uh, worked for Cart Chaser for the past uh, year and done a bunch of different jobs. And this year, I am the production manager and running uh a little bit kind of running the show over there so this is more than just talking about racing you're not an analyst you're learning the business uh you could be my boss someday now is what you're telling me oh i don't know about that but uh, it's it's going well i think we we've done a good job so far and i've i've got to learn a lot of uh, unique and, and great skills of certainly for the future and for what we're doing now it's it's been very very good to get uh, a, a whole different skill set outside of just the driving and coaching aspects and while still being at, at tracks throughout the year. Your story is different than some of the others that come through the road to Indy. You've always been fast. You've always been very well regarded, but the challenge is finding the budget. And and you were in the position like my family is with, with our son Jackson is that we we just don't have the money to get it done. So you had to get creative and you had a lot of partial seasons three partial seasons but this is how sticking to it can often play out 
your first full season, you win the championship. And I remember from talking to you throughout this year, you started the year with St. Petersburg was the only confirmed event that you had. It was certainly the hardest year of my life, uh, especially trying to, trying to overcome the the budget gap to to get it done. Yeah, we showed up to to St. Pete with a one race budget and unfortunately crashed the car in the very first week. And so off the bat, it, it was not a great start, and it was it was a, a long road to to climb a, a huge mountain uh, to to start uh, ascending to just get through the season on its own. It was. It was a one race event, and then we we got just enough to get to the next one, and it progressed from there as as the championship started to form, and some extra extra support came in the form of, of Doug Mockett, who was excellent to me and and helped me uh, really uh, ascend the, those final steps and and push it over the tipping point of just doing race by race to confirming the the rest of the twenty twenty three season with Paps Racing. Also similar to Miles, you're not 17, 18 years old. And I think there's a real advantage here. You're 23 now. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. About, about the same as Miles. What advantage does that give you? My, my opinion has always been, I think that I don't think we have enough patience. I don't think you have to get to IndyCar by the time you're 19 or 20. There's nothing wrong with being 24, 25 years old. Where has that potentially served you well? Uh, it's definitely served me well, especially in, in the past year and in, in a long championship hunt uh, and, and how we got it done. It was it, I, I'd been racing since I was five years old, starting in go karts. And I did my first open wheel races when I was when I was 14, 15 years old in the Skip Barber series. And so I would had a lot of, of good experience, but just not uh, enough of a budget to, to really jump into the world of road to Indy and, and ascending to IndyCar. Um, but it, it being 23 years old, 22, when I won the championship, uh, a lot of the title fight was, was with another driver, uh, Lockie Hughes, who drove an excellent season, who was also just about my age. Um, and I think there, there comes a level of, of maturity that I, I gained over the years that allowed me to, to take it race by race, but, but also not just, focus on being the absolute fastest but being measured in an approach where where you think about a full season rather than just winning individual races so you've tested the u.s and simon sykes is joining us last year's usf 2000 champion moving up to pro you've tested a couple of times how much different is the pro car from the usf 2000 car uh, it's certainly a, a different car i mean we're using the same base tatis chassis uh, but with more wings, more tire, and just a little bit more power. So it, it, the driving style, honestly, was was something that I, I'm still learning to adapt to. I feel feel like we're getting to a place of, of comfort with it so far, but it's definitely a unique experience moving up and into a car that I would describe as, as a proper aero car rather than uh, a, a car with with a little bit of, of downforce, but smaller wings where you can still drive it almost in that formula Ford style to, to a bigger car that, that requires a lot of precision and, and, uh, uh, an approach that, that comes with, with doing it in, in such a measured way that you're not overdriving it, um, everywhere. And, and you're having to really take all that knowledge you've learned over the years and put it into, into a package where you have to, you just have to be so much more precise and, and and perfect with your driving, I would say, 
than in years past, but I'm really enjoying it so far. Like you said, I, I, I'm moving up in, into the seat that, that Miles was in. And it's funny, we did the, the fall combine test. I was in his car with his colors and I still occasionally on the radio get called Miles by my, by my team, which is, it's very funny and I, I love it. It's a, it's definitely a term of endearment. I've taken it as, and it's a certainly big shoes to fill after his such successful season uh, in 2023. We really had a great year overall, but uh, I'm just really excited to to take that next step and have the opportunity to to finally move up and, and do another full season. It's it's just astounding and and shocking to me coming from a place of of always having these half seasons, partial seasons, never knowing it, it, when and if I'm going to get to race. It's it's really rewarding to to take this next step with Paps Racing. Well, the competition is is going to be fierce again. You know, this was a championship a couple of years ago that was seven eight and then it got up to 11 and all of a sudden last year it was in the low 20s and i think it's going to be a similar number this year and i know your two teammates jace denmark and christian brooks are are very talented francesco pizzi is back there's some others that have not been confirmed or finalized or i'm not aware of yet but yeah there's going to be six or seven including you that can win the championship so Congratulations again. Good luck. And, and we'll uh, be following you throughout the year, starting with IndyCar St. Pete weekend. Thank you, Simon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to getting the season started. Simon Sykes from Athens, Georgia, USF 2000 champion, 2024 and USF Pro 2000 with Pabst Racing, the defending champs in, in both levels of the USF Pro Championships. All right, what we missed and more coming up next on Trackside. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hi, this is Pato Award, and you're listening to Trackside. Final segment of the show. Thanks for staying with us, and uh, honestly, I'll admit it, I buried the lead. We should have started with happy birthday, A.J. Foyt, 89 years young today. Full disclosure, we did tape the show yesterday, or at least most of it, because I, as I mentioned, I had some, um, some things going on today in Pittsburgh. Had a wonderful time kind of learning more about the research efforts going along for autoimmune diseases, along with my friends at Race for RP, and we're planning some things in May and maybe St. Petersburg as well to try to raise some money and awareness. So it was a, a good trip. Uh, we were talking about Peacock early on. We uh, hopefully will get some people catch us on the podcast. I forgot Indiana and Purdue were playing tonight on Peacock. Not good for the Hoosiers in the first half, great for the Boilers. Last I looked, a little closer in the second half. Maybe that one goes down to the wire. So one more reason that maybe Peacock becomes an option. It's not just for one single event or one sport. There are a few different things that, that you can see there. Uh, testing. See final times. Thanks to our friends at TracksideOnline.com from Sebring for Indy Next. Uh, my son Jackson was down there. He said it finally dried up some for a couple of hours 
in the afternoon today. Michael D. Orlando, Jackson's teammate the last couple of years, uh, who doesn't have a deal for next year, was in the Hunkos Hollinger car today. He was fastest. It's not a normal day because it wasn't dry all day, but it was dry for a while for everybody, and most everyone ran 85-plus laps. Michael ran 135, so good for him. I know there's still a seat open there, and they're trying to put a program together. Jacob Abel was second quick. Louis Foster was third quick. Christian Vogel was the fastest of the HMD cars. He was fourth quick, and also of note, I mentioned Cape Motorsports' technical partnership with Andretti. It was announced, I think that was today, that Salvador de Alba is signed with them. Two-year deal with the combined programs, and he will move fully to an Andretti program in 2025. Uh, What else? Jimmy Johnson announced today three more races with Carvana, still part of his program. Uh, and he will be in the Daytona 500, the Brickyard 400 in Indianapolis. He missed what was going to be his last race. Didn't he have COVID back in 20, I guess that was? So he will get a chance to say goodbye on the Oval at Indianapolis in the Brickyard and also the season finale at Phoenix that goes along with previously announced Texas, Dover, uh, Kansas, and Charlotte, and I guess both Kansas races, and Vegas. So uh, not a bad schedule, fairly busy for Jimmy Johnson. Maybe spend some time on this next week. Um, Always like more racing. I'm sad to see that SRX is going away. They couldn't make that work, so they are shutting the doors. Uh, I think they said for now, and we'll see if they can get resurrected. More Rolex 24 coming up next weekend. I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but I'm hearing more and more details. Not exactly certain how this is working, but Brad Pitt is going to be down there as part of that F1 movie. I guess there's a sports car aspect to this. Maybe he started in sports cars. Is he going to be driving? Is someone going to be portraying him? I've heard Patrick Long, a Porsche driver, so we'll look for that. Uh, We'll see if I talk with Brad Pitt during the broadcast. What would be better? A Flavor Flav interview or Brad Pitt? Hopefully it goes better for me with Brad than it did for Martin Brundle the first time around. And speaking of Daytona and Peacock again, uh, you can watch Jackson Lee on Peacock coming up this weekend in the number 66 Browning Chapman race for RP, IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center, Porsche Cayman for Sawbox Simpson Motorsport. He will race on Saturday at 2.05ish, Sunday at 12.20, 45-minute single-driver races, 33 cars enter. This is VP Racing Sports Car Challenge. There are, I think, 11 LMP3s. Those are the faster cars. Honestly, the better competition, more room for growth, more opportunities down the road is in the GT4 class. There are 22 in his class and quite a few good, experienced drivers. So uh, we have no idea how it's going to go, but I have a lot of confidence in Stephen Simpson. Brand-new program Car has never been on track. First time will be Friday morning in Jackson's first practice, so wish us well. We'll be down there. Say hello if you're there. And we'll talk next Monday night at 7 more about the Rolex 24 and all the IndyCar drivers that are there. I'll try to catch up with some of them next week as well. For Kurt, I'm Kevin. And also thanks in our studio to our producer, Landon Coons. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.